Arizona, you're listening to Ask Smart People Smart Questions, a semi-monthly podcast about big ideas and the big issues that affect the LGBTQ community. We launched the podcast in January with a live panel discussion recorded at the Tempe Public Library, and each month we'll be hosting live panel discussions on new topics. We'll also publish a monthly bonus episode exclusively on the podcast feed. To kick that off, we have a great discussion with Kaz Fernandez and Ben Bossler from Voter Choice Arizona. They're a nonprofit organization educating voters and policymakers about ranked choice voting. Right now, there's actually two bills in the Arizona legislature designed to preemptively ban ranked choice voting. So it's a timely topic. Ranked choice voting is one of those things that can feel academic on its surface, but then it's surprisingly meaningful to the way politics actually works in practice. We get into all of that, and we do get into the weeds a little bit, so I'm not going to spoil everything in the introduction. But I do want to lay the groundwork a little bit for why this issue is important to the LGBTQ plus community. We've seen again and again how partisan primaries can have a damaging effect on the quality of governance at the state legislature, where manufactured controversies about the LGBTQ plus community create these negative incentives to sponsor hateful legislation or to campaign on making sure trans kids can't play sports with their friends. Whatever it is, these aren't incentives that have anything to do with appealing to a broad base of voters, it's about, at least to some degree, being able to win a partisan primary. So if we can think outside of that, maybe there's ways that we can improve the quality of government and therefore the quality of life for the LGBTQ plus community. But Ben and Kaz are the actual experts on ranked choice voting, so let's just jump into the conversation. Jeff, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I can start. Well, uh, today we are joined by uh, Ben, I'm, I'm going to say this probably incorrectly, I'm sorry, Bosler? Bosler, yeah. Bosler and Kaz Fernandez from uh, Voter Choice in Arizona. So local ranked choice voting, um, trying to get Arizona up and running in the mainstream, I guess. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, Kaz, if you could. Oh, actually, well, I'm joined by Gina, of course, the <laughs> host of Equality Arizona, uh, the director, interim director, right. um, who yep. was kind enough to set this up. So we're going to learn a bit more about voting today in Arizona and how we might change it. So can you two give me a little idea of who you are and how you got into this work? Sure. Uh, yeah, I got started. I've always been, you know, a little interested in politics, right? And then I think I found about about ranked choice voting sometime in high school, and I thought it was just like a really cool idea. Um, and then it was the pandemic came around. Suddenly, I had a lot of free time on my hands, and I figured instead of just thinking about politics a whole bunch, maybe I ought to do something. And since ranked choice voting really appealed to me uh, as an idea, I and it had just uh, passed in Maine like a little while ago. So I wanted to check out and see if anything was happening in Arizona. 
and I happened to stumble onto Voter Choice Arizona during one of their first meetings and got involved from there. And uh, so this is Kaz Fernandez. I'm the organizing director for Voter Choice Arizona. Um, so I got involved sometime after that around November of 2020. Um, I had wrapped up working on on the 2020 campaign, which all of us knew was so much fun. Um, but one of the things that one of the things that I noticed and kind of brought me back to learning about RCV in high school was so many people I talked to during get out the vote and during mobilization kind of just said like, I really I'm not going to vote. I don't want to vote. I don't feel like my vote matters. Um, the choices available to me are not, you know, I can't get behind that. So um, as much as this, this is the most important election of our time, as we heard over and over again, um, I'm not going to be involved. And so that made me think back to better systems that uh, give people more more power, make them feel like they have more choice. Um, so I started thinking about ranked choice voting. Googled it. Just like Ben, I found uh, Voter Choice Arizona, showed up to a meeting and started volunteering, volunteered more and more. Uh, then I worked at the national level with Rank the Vote, one of Voter Choice Arizona's um, large national partners. I worked as a uh, national organizer and advisor to uh, to many organizations across the country. And just recently I've been asked to come back as the organizing director for Voter Choice Arizona. I'm super fortunate, super excited to uh, continue this work. Can you tell me a little bit about Voter Choice Arizona, you both kind of mentioned having this interest in ranked choice voting and then being able to connect to this organization. So how did that organization get started and how long has it been trying to work on this issue in Arizona? So it's been a pretty recent thing, Voter Choice Arizona. Um, There was a a Represent AZ, which is like a chapter of Represent Us, that had, you know, talked a little bit about ranked choice voting and then it was like early 2020 that some of the people from there kind of spun off this Voter Choice Arizona uh, project to just be dedicated to ranked choice voting, um, as opposed to the other, you know, election reforms that Represent Us covers. And so that's where it started. As I think it was either late 2019 or early 2020. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, part of that was also... Adam Friedman, one of the founders of Rank the Vote, and who previously worked on the uh, Voter Choice Massachusetts campaign, um, he came out, did a speech with the League of Women Voters. Um, I'm not sure if that was in Phoenix or Tucson, but did a speech with the League of Women, Women Voters, kind of got some of those Represent Us folks together, or Represent Arizona folks together, rather, and um, you know started talking more about the strategies behind uh, pursuing ranked choice voting. Um, as an individual grassroots uh, state-based organization. And so Rank the Vote has kind of been a a partner from the beginning, helping to uh, guide us into uh, founding our, incorporating our own um, state-based nonprofit, giving us some of the uh, grassroots strategy specific to organizing on ranked choice voting. Um, And we've followed that from the start, and they continue to be a partner with us. Um, And part of that strategy is, growing uh, people money and endorsements um, at the at the grassroots level to demonstrate um, viability for our reform and also educate Arizonans about ranked choice voting. So for a lot of people, they don't even know what ranked choice voting is. So can I guess you explain what it is in simpler terms to people that just usually just check off boxes? 
the and there's, ballot. there's multiple types of ranked choice voting implementations, right? Yeah. So ranked choice voting is really a, a simple, simple reform to the way that we vote. And all it is is rather than just going to your ballot and marking for one person, uh, you have a series of boxes and you rank the candidates in your order of preference. So it's right? usually like three? Is that... Uh, yeah, or... it's just however many candidates are running for the position. Oh, that's how okay. many options you will have to rank. And so you just rank your, you know, whoever is your first rep, um, first preference, you put them, rank them first, second preference, etc. And the way it works is you tally up all of the votes. And if nobody has a majority, nobody has more than half of the votes, what you do is you eliminate the candidate who's in last place, who has the fewest votes. And you transfer the votes for that candidate to the, their voters' second-ranked uh, choice on the ballot. So it's it's kind of like a runoff. It's, sometimes it's described as instant runoff in that it's just you eliminate the person in last place and you say, okay, who else would they have voted for, right? If that person wasn't in the race, who would these voters have wanted? And you just move their votes over to there and you keep going through that process until you get somebody who has more than half of the votes and has an actual majority. And Arizona voters might already be familiar with the runoff idea from some different city council type races, but it doesn't work quite like that. I'm thinking of like Phoenix City Council, Mesa City Council. I think Chandler has it where you get these like kind of top two runoffs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's uh, actually one of the examples that we use uh, talking about ranked choice voting was the, the mayoral race in Phoenix that had four candidates and went to a runoff. I think this was like a special election in 2018, 19. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a special election in 2018 and the runoff was in 2019, if I remember that correctly. Um, but so there's a Phoenix mayoral race that went to a runoff. There were four candidates and you know, nobody got a majority of the votes. Nobody got more than half. Uh, so they took the top two vote getters um, and they had a runoff, which happened, you know, months later. Uh, and we use that as an example of this is a way that you can get, you know, a majority to ensure that you have a majority rule and that you aren't spoilers in the election. Uh, but it happened months later. It cost the city about a million dollars and fewer than half as many people who voted in the first election actually turned out for the second election. So you ran the second election in order to make sure that you had a candidate that had more than half the votes and then fewer than half the voters <laughs> even show up for the election in the first place. So where um, is that extra cost coming from? The extra million-ish dollars that are being spent. Is that the cost of running the second election? Yeah, that's the cost of running the second election. Yeah. With Ranked choice, it seems like basically the the voter turnout drop-off would be if people didn't rank any second choice, right? Yeah. But I assume it wouldn't be as significant. Usually people might have a second choice to right. rank. Yeah. And I imagine they're just running one election, so it's not going to be more expensive, but it's a different thing. So what are some of the costs and where is some of the new complexity for voters and for elections administrators? Some of the additional costs um, are typically in education campaigns. You know, we, we saw in Alaska and New York um, that the uh, 
in, in New York, the Board of Elections, um, had to spend some money to educate people on ranked choice voting. Mm-hmm. Most people, uh, we, we rank things all the time, right? If you're sending a friend out to go get something to eat and, you know, you say, if, if they don't have choice X, get choice Y. We do it all the time and we're really comfortable with it. It's just that most people don't actually know how to fill in a ranked choice voting ballot because um, none of us have none of us have done it before, um, unless you're from Alaska, unless you're from New York City uh, during that primary election, mm-hmm. um, and, a, and a few other places throughout the country. So, uh, so yeah, the the additional complexities and, and cost is primarily around the education. And in terms of voting machines, I think we've actually spoken before that many voting machines are actually already set up to accommodate this kind of thing, right? Yeah. And uh, so our partners at the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center have already evaluated all the uh, voting machines and uh, tabulation uh, machines in the state. Um, They are already, the hardware is already capable and the software um, is capable. It would require some, um, some small upgrades. Um, and essentially turning on features. But uh, we can use ranked choice voting with the equipment we have today. Um, you know, would certainly require some uh, administrators, elections administrators would certainly have to um, figure out how to use that. And we do have uh, partners at the national level that are uh, willing to, to help us, partner with us, help us out with educating uh, those elections administrators so we don't run into any issues um, during any elections. Nice. So I, well, I was curious, you know, I can see the benefits for people because they don't have to come back for a second primary. But I guess what would be the benefit for the parties themselves? Or is there a benefit or are you getting any pushback from, you know, right now we have a two party system. Ranked choice voting kind of changes that a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it could. Um, it could change that. I, you know, I don't know. Um, in theory, it could upend the system altogether. But realistically, we have two parties that have a lot, of, a lot of money, a lot of power, and they're going to be the most capable at figuring out how to use the system um, to their benefit. But what I do think it, it brings in is more competition. Um, candidates can't just be the assumed other, right? Mm-hmm. You, you won't have the lesser of two evils voting. You have to actually earn every person's vote. People have to vote in the affirmative. Um, so that's going to, I think that's going to change the way that we see campaigns change the way that we see um, see people running for office. I think today we disincentivize people running for office because we don't want them to be a spoiler for one of the candidates that we assume is, is going to win from one of the major parties. What's an example of that? I think most people probably have something in mind, but I think it's good to maybe name an example. Yeah, I can uh, I can name a great example. So Kirsten okay. uh, Cinema has just, she, she's been a Democrat um, and, you know, it's kind of been questionable where, where her policies will lie over time, but she's been a Democrat and her popularity has gone down recently. She has recently chosen to uh, re-register as an independent in the state. And so she, um, she is going to potentially run for the 2024 election where the Democrats may put up a different candidate. Kirsten Cinema, as an incumbent, may be an independent candidate and the Republicans will put up um, a, a third candidate. Um, someone in that race is going to be a spoiler for one of the two other major major candidates. Um, and my analysis, not my, I'm not a professional or anything, but I think the incumbent uh, former Democrat is going to spoil uh, the election for the uh, the party choice, whoever that might be, um, or or vice versa. And that 
almost inevitably will mean that we get a Republican candidate. And so whoever wins the Republican primary for 2024 is likely to be the next uh, senator, assuming that's, you know, those are the three candidates that, that end up on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is because Pearson Cinema feared the primary risk of uh, not winning her primary. So she's been able to opt out of that and move around the system and force Democrats and, and other independents that are potentially running to figure out, do they want to spoil this race um, and, and maybe throw it to a Republican? So low, low turnout primaries are another issue that we we have uh, started tackling with our partners at Safe Democracy Arizona. Um, and potential reforms would include, uh, would likely include primary reform as well. Okay. Well, let's talk about primary reform. And as I was listening to you, I was thinking there's all of this political thought that's happening about who do we run? Do we vote for an independent? Do we vote for a Democrat? Who do we back? All of that thought is happening outside of the polling location. It's not happening on the ballot. It's happening between a lot of different political power players, but not necessarily voters. And it seems like what this does is people still have to think through the same calculations, except they're thinking through it as they're voting. And it actually seems to express the will of the voter a little bit more. But primary reform, we haven't really touched on as much. So can you give me an overview of what that might look like in this context? Yeah, sure. So there's a couple different ways that states have chosen to implement uh, ranked choice voting. So Maine, which implemented it statewide in 2018, uh, they kept their partisan primary system and they are only using ranked choice voting in the general election. But I think they're also using ranked choice voting in their in their primaries as well. Mm-hmm. But they're still partisan primaries, but using ranked choice voting. And then Alaska has adopted a different system where they are doing a top four uh, primary. All of the candidates from all parties and independents all appear on the same primary ballot. And then the top four vote getters on that primary ballot go on to the general election, mm-hmm. which is using ranked choice voting. That's regardless of party. That's, so it yeah. could be two Republicans going against each other. Yep. The- yep. Two Republicans, Democrats, mm-hmm. or you know any combination, independents, third parties. The top four vote getters go on to the general election. And... Uh, both of those systems, I think, have, you know, their different uh, merits. But um, what are you trying to accomplish in Arizona? You know, is it going to be the Alaska model? Is it going to be the Maine model? I mean, what's the goal for voter choices here? Yeah. So um, what we what we proposed, so Arizona has a pretty interesting breakdown. We're kind of a third independent, a third Democrat, a third Republican. Demographics are changing all the time. Registration's changing all the time. But um, just, you know, back the napkin mat, that's that's roughly how we break mm-hmm. down. Um, independents are uniquely disadvantaged in getting onto the ballot because they have to collect more signatures than a registered Dem or a registered Republican. Um, I think the number is like seven times as many signatures. I uh, don't quote me on that. <laughs> and clean elections funding works differently for independent candidates, too, because of that just difference of how they get on the ballot. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not what most people would consider the most fair. Um, the, the people with the least amount of resources have the largest hurdle to get over just to get on the ballot, which affects who runs, how you run, 
who you're beholden to, um, you know, if you want to run with a party. So uh, what we are proposing, and we're still in the, um, we're still working through drafting what our initiative would look like, but what we are suggesting currently with our partners is leveling the signature requirements for all all candidates, regardless of party, Democrat, Independent, Republican, you collect the same number of signatures to get onto the ballot. Then we have a nonpartisan open primary. Um, all candidates are on the same same ballot, and all voters can vote for any of those candidates. Um, the top five vote getters through the primary win their primary, and that's regardless of party. So we could have uh, two Democrats, two Republicans, and an Independent, or five Independents, or whatever else, whatever makeup, you know, you, you can come up with. And those five primary winners move to the general election where you use ranked choice voting to decide the winner. Um, so that those combination of reforms make sure that we don't have an unnecessarily large field of people in the general election. So we don't have, um, you know, in, in Alaska's uh, primary, I think there were 60-some candidates that were Ooh, wow. would have been on the ballot. <laughs> and so um, 60 candidates would be a lot to rank. Um, okay. So we make sure we're confining it down to just five candidates, and then you we rank candidates. If someone is a is the winner on the first round of, of vote counting, if someone has more than 50%, they're, they're the winner, they become our elected leader, um, and they have a mandate to govern because more than half of us voted in favor of them. If instead someone has to be eliminated, we go through the, the runoff process. It keeps going until we, we have a winner. Um, you know, your vote just transfers down to your second choice, third choice, et cetera, um, until we have a winner. That leads to a question I've been wanting to ask, which is it keeps going until we get a winner, right? I think yeah. people watching Arizona from the outside and maybe some people in Arizona love to freak out about how long it takes to tabulate all our votes. Is this going to make it take longer or is it just not going to change that at all? So it will probably take a little bit longer because you do have to, you know, if when you have runoffs, count some of the votes again, right? Mm -hmm. Counting some of the votes uh, from the candidate that's eliminated. It shouldn't take appreciably longer. The delays that are come from vote counting in Arizona that we have already are obviously not related to anything to rank choice voting. Um, the sort of unique Arizona delays about the way that we count our, our mail-in ballots and everything. Um, and so I know that Maine at least got their results in and they have ranked choice voting. They got their results in, you know, before our results came in in Arizona. So it's not like, you know, it'll be... There is a little bit more counting that has to be done. But it's not inherently longer. It's just... No, because... Uh, so ranked choice voting isn't inherently more difficult to, to tabulate the ballots. You know, we're, we're using software to tabulate ballots currently anyway. Right. And so, you know, the fraction of a second longer that it takes to tabulate a ranked choice voting, potentially multi-round um, race, it shouldn't be anything uh, significant. We would essentially be able to get the... If we had all the ballots in um, and we had all the vote-by-mail ballots in, the, um, the same-day drop-off ballots um, all, all in, um, they could be tab tabulated just as quickly as our current elections are. Um, and so some of the delays that have happened in, uh, like the delays that, that happened in Alaska, Alaska is a gigantic state, four times the size of Texas, and it's a very 
rural state. Most of mm-hmm. the many of the ballots have to come in from uh, you know from small plains in to be tabulated from rural communities across the state. You can't count a multi-round vote until all the the votes are in, votes are in. So that's why there there was a delay in Alaska. Um, and uh, you know if we're waiting a week to get vote by mail ballots, there would be a, a similar delay here in Arizona. I'm curious. So for ranked choice voting, you know, I was reading up on kind of, you know, see what the benefits are. And we've now seen more polarization basically around the country, Um, more extreme candidates, because usually they're the ones who get the most coverage. I guess ranked choice voting, is that going to play any part in, you know, how, you know, politics happens in Arizona? Are we still going to get the, you know, one extreme and the other? Or have you found that maybe from other states that it kind of dilutes that down where it's more moderate? I mean, what are your views, I guess, on the polar? I mean, because really we are very polarized in how we vote. Ranked choice voting kind of puts us all together and we're like, all right, let's let's see who kind of works out. Yeah, um, it definitely changes the incentives for candidates um, because the way it works now, a vote for anybody else is a vote that's against you, right? And then once you have ranked choice voting, um, a vote for somebody else, yeah, on the first round counts for somebody else, but you might be their second choice. You might be the voter's second or third choice, right? And so you might have an, you have an incentive there to not piss off that candidate's voters, right? And, and to be, you know, a little bit more nicer to that so you can draw off some support from their second and third uh, and fourth ranks. And uh, we actually have some good examples of this already having happened in practice. Um, the main Senate race where there was an independent who endorsed like the Democratic candidate as, hey, vote for me first, but, you know, for your second place, go ahead and rank, <laughs> go ahead and rank this other candidate. Nice of them. Yeah. In the New York mayoral primary, you had two of the candidates actually uh, share a campaign stage. Uh, they did not quite go as far as endorsing one another, you know, and saying, hey, rank this other person. But they were pretty clearly like that's not the kind of thing that would happen under the system that we have now. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear that under rank choice voting, you know, it changes things. So they were both trying to draw from each other's support bases in that case. Um, and then even in Alaska, there was, um, at some point, um, Sarah Palin made a comment about Mary Peltola, about basically how much she loved Mary Peltola, her <laughs> opponent <laughs> in the race. And it's just not the kind of thing that you would see in our, in our current elections. And, and in that race, um, Mary Peltola, for those that don't know, is a, is a Democrat. She's now been uh, twice elected. Um, she, she's a Democrat. She's uh, a native woman, uh, first time for that state, um, electing a, a native woman to, to that office. And, you know, she had endorsements from, or she had the, the support of Republicans. She won not because, uh, Alaska suddenly went blue and is a, a, a Democrat <laughs> state. She won because she was right for the state and she represented voters' interests. She, she cares about women's rights, but she also cared about, um, you know, oil and gas exploration, which for a state of state like Alaska makes total sense. So even as a Democrat, she had to uh, kind of cater to the middle and try and win over some Republican votes. And that's exactly what we saw after the vote count. The uh, more moderate Republican that 
wasn't in the top two. Their votes, many of their votes transferred to Peltola, which caused her to become the ultimate winner in, uh, in both races. Well, so we've talked about a few different things happening in other states, different experiments, different trials of this. We've talked about Alaska, we've talked about Maine, we've talked about New York in some detail. But I think a lot of people listening to this won't be 100% familiar with what's happening in other states. I think one of the big concerns in Arizona is even if an election is run perfectly, people will have a lot of complaints. So what's the response from voters, but also the response after the election? After each of those uh, elections that they've had for the first time, they've had polls. And it's pretty consistent that every time um, they have a ranked choice voting election, voters consistently, a large majority of voters, say that it was easy to understand, uh, that they didn't have trouble ranking their ballots, and that it, it has more than uh, a majority approval. And I know Maine... There were several attempts uh, to get it taken back in Maine by by certain parties uh, and certain groups. And every time the voters um, pushed back and to the point where even the legislature like expanded upon the races that were using ranked choice voting. So here, I guess, in Arizona, how do you are you looking to implement it like a, an amendment to the state constitution, a simple passed by Congress, I guess, what is the bullseye's first goal? And then the ultimate goal, I mean, how do you want to implement ranked choice voting here? Yeah, I can speak to the implementation piece. I just wanted to add to the previous question. Um, so in Alaska, the number of, of ballots where, um, you know, people, people's ballots were marked invalid, was actually less than in conventional elections by a really small amount, but roughly equal. And so even despite this most recent set of elections being the first time Alaskans ever used ranked choice voting, despite it being a massive state with tons of very different populations, um, the education efforts there were strong enough to uh, to make sure that people weren't you know marking five bubbles for their first choice right. or something like that. They, they used their ballots effectively. After polling, they, they said they liked it and they would do it again. Same thing happened in New York. I think in the 80% range as far as wow. um, people that, uh, that believe that the, the system was simple enough to understand that ranked more than, uh, more than two, of their, two, two or more choices. Um, because with ranked choice voting, the beauty of it is if you want, if you just love our plurality voting system and you would never show up to a, to a runoff election, you could just mark your first choice. Um, and you don't, we're not forcing you to mark five choices. You can mark your first choice. Um, if your candidate gets eliminated, it's kind of like you stayed home and you didn't show up to the runoff. Um, no different. But since it's right there in front of you, since you have more choice, you're able to express your voice by marking as many candidates as um, as you're given on the page. Um, as far as the implementation piece goes, our strategy, you know, we have um, we have done some probing to see if we could pass this legislatively. Um, there are, you know, maybe some obvious or not so obvious challenges with, with getting pushback <laughs> with, <laughs> with getting um, already elected leaders to change the way that they get and keep their jobs um, and that's you know that's not a slight at anyone that's just the reality um, they are more incentivized to pursue other things before they push rank choice voting and open primaries um, that's not to say that there aren't some individuals and um, and prominent people and parties that are supportive of this reform because it is so uh, pro voter and and may actually help people that want to run moderate campaigns and uh, campaign not towards the extremes that show up in primaries, um, but to the general population 
to and and to talk about the issues that Arizonans care about, things like water and things like climate and women's rights and and you know all the rest that we're really not acting on. We act on only the most uh, extreme and hyperbolic topics. Um, so so our strategy for implementation would be to run a statewide uh, ballot initiative, a constitutional ballot initiative. Um, right now, we're targeting the 2024 election. Um, we're you know, still relatively early on in the process. We're writing our, our, our language, and then we'll go through signature gathering. We'll, uh, just to be safe, we'll need about a half a million signatures wow. <laughs> to make sure we make it on the ballot. <laughs> um, it's, it's not an easy process, especially because we want this to be a, a constitutional amendment. Um, we want to make sure our reform is durable and uh, and that Arizonans actually get a chance to use it um, so that uh, and, and, you know, it seems like something we don't want um, hostile legislators to uh, to repeal in some way or weaken. Um, and we you know, we believe it's a, a great addition to the Constitution and to, a, to the way that we run our elections. You know, there's not a lot of political issues that you can pull people on and get 80% support for. <laughs> that was amazing. Right. 80%. <laughs> so it seems like something that could potentially help with turnout. It also seems like something that really benefits from having higher candidate turnout. Maybe that's not the right word. But having 60 people on an open primary, for example, uh, if you only end up with two people on a ranked choice thing maybe you're not getting the benefits from it. So are you seeing the effects in these other states of maybe more voter turnout or more candidates actually deciding to participate under this kind of system? In theory, ranked choice voting open primaries would increase turnout. Right now, independents don't have a lot of incentive to turn out. They have to choose a ballot. They're not getting a, a, a ballot by mail automatically with Pebble or um, ABL. I'm not sure how you pronounce that <laughs> shorthand. Um because they have to choose a party ballot first. And so automatically there, there's um, some built-in additional turnout because everyone would be getting a, 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 a primary ballot. In the general election, it's, it's always hard to say what affected turnout. Was it because we, you know, because we had uh, ranked choice voting or open primaries, or was it because we had um, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden or, or Roe v. Wade right. or anything else? And so the numbers there... Um, I'm not going to pretend that we've we've showed that it increases turnout by some massive amount across. That's the board. a good point. It's hard to know. It's it's very hard to know. There is some data to say that it uh, it does increase it, or it has increased turnout in the um, November um, primary election. But uh, again, it's it's hard to hard to make assumptions based on such a few number of yeah. RCV elections that have happened so far. And what about with candidates? Are more people participating as candidates or more people making it onto the ballot? So I, I don't have any specific statistics on, on that or anything, but I do know there were um, a good number of races in Maine that had more than two candidates. And so we're able to use the, the rank choices and the runoffs. And then in the Alaska system, you are taking the top four from the primary. So as mm -hmm. long as you have more than four that show up for the primary, you're going to have four in the general. And that's already more than the candidates that we usually get here, you know, right. on a general election ballot for any given position. So, Oh, I'm also curious because Alaska, they're mainly mail-in voting, right? I mean, since they're, I mean, I don't, I can't try and picture Alaska with polling places way out in the, you know, wherever. So I guess, 
in Arizona, as far as with your implementation, is that going to be a part of it? Make sure that everybody does get a ballot is, or is mail-in voting a part of the ranked choice voting? Because I know they're trying to strip that away, still make it harder. So if you still have ranked choice voting, but they're still only allowing certain people basically to vote, you're still going to get that split, I guess. Or are you simply focused on the ranked choice voting and that is something separate? Yeah, so that would be a, a completely separate reform or protection of our voting rights, um, which I would support. I think voting by mail, you know, this is an opinion of our organization. We're all very pro-democracy, but I think voting by mail uh, just makes sense. And if you were to have uh, ranked choice voting ballots, I would love to have more time at home to look into all five candidates that end up on the general election ballot. Um, But uh, but that would be a a standalone reform and, you know, not looking not something we would be looking to um, protect or expand upon in our current uh, reform package that we're looking at, primarily it, because you know we'd love to have as many pro-voter reforms as possible, <laughs> but there is the single-subject rule, and we want to make sure that whatever we do pass um, is uh, accepted by the court, and you know we don't get yeah. uh, get all of our reforms kicked off of the ballot just because we're being a little too ambitious. That's right, and that was a recent, um, just in this past election establishing that single subject rule just for for context for listeners there are ways that uh, ranked choice voting uh, can interact with uh, mail-in ballots we had a situation in the 2018 uh, senate election with cinema that there was a candidate on the ballot uh, angela green who was worried about spoiling the election and actually dropped out of the race within the last week before the election, which at that mm-hmm. point, we are a, you know, a lot of people vote by mail in this state. A lot of people had already cast their ballots. And now you have this candidate that's dropped out of the race. They cast their ballot for somebody who's no longer in the running. So with ranked choice voting, you don't have that issue. And they actually, a lot of um, Southern states like Georgia, which has their runoff elections, um, Infamously, Georgia runoff elections. <laughs> For their military and overseas voters, they actually have ranked choice ballots, specifically for if the race goes to a runoff, they have already mailed in their marked on the ballot, uh, their next choice, so that that runoff, their vote gets counted in the runoff. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. It sounds like the one other way mail-in voting would be connected to this is what you were already saying, Kaz, about uh, independent voters and primaries who have to request a ballot now, but could be included as mail-in voters with a system like this, an open primary, potentially. Yeah, there, there'd be no need to declare whether you want to vote for the Democratic um, ballot or the Republican ballot, because we'd all get the same ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, so simplify things and hopefully get more independents to uh, participate in the primary process without additional homework for them. Well, I guess I'm kind of curious, who are you getting pushback from and who's supporting this in Arizona? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll definitely talk to the supporting it uh, piece first. Because that's, <laughs> Perfect. Because that's You're my, the happy ones, right? Yeah, that's my job and that's the fun part of my job. I'm, uh, I'm an organizer and I love going out and talking with people. Um, you know, if you, uh, if you were to poll um, nationally or, or in, in state or nationally, you get 50 to 60% of people that would say they, they do support 
um, ranked choice voting. And, um, but the biggest issue is most people don't know about it. And so if you ask them, you know, just cold, do you want ranked choice voting to be added to the state constitution? They're going to say no. They don't know what that is. It's com- it sounds complicated. It's, you know, doesn't have a great name. Um, <laughs> but if you explain that you're ranking your candidates in order of preference, you always have a backup choice and no one wins without a majority of the vote. They say, yeah, why haven't we always done that? Uh, and I you know, explain that Alaska, New Zealand have done it for uh, a, a century. And, you know, maybe we should upgrade our, 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 our voting style. They say, yeah, let's do that. I'm, I'm on board. So as far as supporters, it seems like most people that have actually heard about the reform, if they go on YouTube and look at, um, you know, different CGP Gray videos or the Represent Us video, um, lots of people have seen those. And they see it explained and they, when they understand it, they support it. As far as people that have been a bit more opposed to it, you know, I think any, any issue under the sun is going to draw some opposition whether it's for, for good reason or not. Um, I think some of the opposition, when we have talked to elected leaders, has kind of been like, oh, well, would that help me in my race? Will I be reelected? Or would I have <laughs> would I have lost that primary if, you know, if we had a different electorate? Um, a lot of the issues, uh, a lot of the opposition has come from people that um, are stuck in the way of thinking in, in our current in our current way of thinking. And, um, you know, in politics, it's a game and you want to win. Um, and I change the rules if we've already won. Right. So, um, I'm trying to think of who else is just opposed to it unless they, unless they're in favor of reforms that are even more aggressive, um, you know, change even more. Are there more aggressive reforms? Um, (laughs) Maybe aggressive is an intense yeah, word. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Um, yeah. yeah. There are other reforms is what I would say. There are alternative voting reforms okay. that uh, some people, for various reasons, prefer to rank choice voting. And so they sort of see the push for rank choice voting as overshadowing oh, know, their see. preferred okay. voting reform. So, But that's, yeah. that's the, a pretty minor yeah, it's, it's pretty minor. I, I think the benefit to ranked choice voting is it has a some of those other reforms. They're relatively new, maybe a little bit more academic, and they just mm-hmm. haven't been tested in the U.S. Um, or or across the world. Yeah. Ranked choice voting, you know, we've got it in over sixty municipalities and counties across the country. Um, you know, two states, Nevada, just uh, their their citizens just voted to enact ranked choice voting once. Their initiative process means they have to vote yes twice. Yes, I want it. And yes, I'm sure that I wanted it, Um, (laughs) which is a really interesting uh, feature of their democracy. Um, But, you know, ranked choice voting, it's it's uh, it's used in in Europe. It's used in Australia, New Zealand. Um, It's used right here in the U.S. And I don't think um, I don't think anything else is as simple to explain, um, tabulate um, as cost effective. And, uh, and has the proven track record that ranked choice voting does um, for over a century. So what's next for Voter Choice Arizona with your citizens initiative process? What's that going to look like? So right now, um, so Voter Choice Arizona, we're a 501c3 um, educational nonprofit. So we're um, you know limited in the political work that we do. Okay. Right now we're just, um, we're, building our supporter list, building our 
growing our fundraising, trying to build the team that's needed to educate people on ranked choice voting. As I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, if people don't hear about it, they will vote against it. So we're laying the groundwork at the grassroots level, building partnerships with, with other organizations, other um, leaders who've already run initiatives, making sure that uh, when, when a, a, a C4 is formed to enact or to actually run a campaign, um, that we've already laid the groundwork and kind of warmed people up to ranked choice voting, um, introduce them to uh, to our um, to our presentations, introduce them to our um, volunteer teams and kind of how those uh, would function. Function. Um, so, going forward over the next few months, we're drafting our our initiative language, making sure to review it with legal and making sure to review it with uh, community community members, all of our um, all of our existing partners, as well as you know, one of the things that uh, that I'm up to and one of the things that our president, Blake Saka, is up to, we're trying to build partnerships with as many community organizations as possible because we do want a reform that is from, by, and for Arizonans. We're not, you know, we're not trying to uh, drop in some reform from another state just because it worked there. We have, a, as mentioned earlier, we have a unique makeup with uh, a large number of independents and that seems to be growing. Um, we've got some interesting challenges with, people like uh, Kirsten Cinema, And uh, and so, you know, we want to make sure that the parties are also, um, they have a say in, in what this reform looks like. We don't want them to oppose it just because it's scary and new. Um, so we're working to educate as many people as possible, currently electeds, former electeds, um, everyday citizens, um, like the folks in this room. I just want to throw out there, and just a little bit of serious I did, you're you're not partisan. You're not progressive or you're just trying to change the system to really give everybody a voice. Am I understanding that correctly? I mean, it's not one or the other. It's more people get participate, more voices going to be heard. Is that? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. absolutely. That's yeah. exactly right. And that's one of the things our um, Voter Choice Arizona's directors and executive team is always focused on making sure we uh, make sure all parties or uh, all um, all groups are represented. And so we do try to balance our, you know, we are, we are nonpartisan legally, but also um, intentionally, we want to make sure that we have um, liberals and conservatives represented, that we have people from all different um, demographics. Just uh, wanted that out there because you're not yeah. just a progressive. You're not just a, you know, I mean, in here, you know, everybody wants to be put in a box in Arizona. So you're you're working with everybody, basically. That's We're working with everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So working with everyone leads to a question, how can people get involved to work with you? <laughs> yeah, so um, people can get involved. They can visit uh, voterchoicearizona.org. They can come to our statewide meetings always the third Wednesday of every month. We have a statewide meeting. Um, the venue has been changing. We used to be at Char's. Now we're going to be at uh, uh, 50 Shades of Rosé in Scottsdale. Um, it's going to be a fun time. We we do keep the business relatively condensed, so we can actually have a, a fun meeting um, for most of that. And uh, so you can uh, you can check out our website, go to our calendar. You can find our um, statewide meetings, our, our Tucson happy hour as well. All of our trainings, if you want to learn more about ranked choice voting or become a trained speaker with Ben's uh, Speakers Bureau. Uh, so you can go out and give presentations with other organizations, um, help us seek endorsements. Um, you can actually now just go to our website and request a presentation if you want Ben or I or someone else to show up and talk to you about RCB um, for half an hour to an hour. Um, and then you can donate. Our organization is a grassroots organization. We've gotten to this point 
with lots and lots of small dollar donations, you know, $20, $50, $100, we don't have a uh, $10 million check or anything coming in. And so any contributions are always, uh, always uh, appreciated. And we are a, a, a C3, so contributions are tax de- deductible. Wonderful. Well, I think this has been great. Yeah, no, I mean, from my understanding, I'm sure Gene agrees, this is, I would say, great for Arizona. Um, you know, I think anything that kind of yeah. pulls down the extremes is a way to give more people voices. I mean, that's the way to go. Um, yeah, Kaz, Ben, thank you so much. And then again, voter choice in Arizona. Um, rank your favorite candidates. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for Thank you all. Thanks again to Kaz and Ben for being our guests on this episode of Ask Smart People Smart Questions. And thanks to Jeff Love for being my co-host and co-producer. If you enjoyed this episode, you should check out the panel discussion we recorded in January about drag culture and drag history. You can find that and follow the show in any podcast player, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or my personal choice, Overcast. And if you're interested in coming to one of our future events, just check out our calendar, equalityarizona.org events. We'll be recording our next live panel discussion at the Tempe Public Library, on Wednesday, February 22nd. I hope to see you there.